The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey guys, it's Sunday night. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Joining me tonight is the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. From the Hello, Northwest everyone. Hi, Joan. <laughs> tonight we're covering a little more of a serious topic. We're having a conversation that I know Joe, uh, both Joan and I feel is very important to be had. Tonight's episode is for anyone who wants to know their rights when it comes to domestic abuse and criminal harassment, including stalking and cyberbullying. Now, these issues are very prevalent when it comes to dating and relationships, and we know that domestic abuse is now on the rise during this global pandemic. Joining Joan and I is our mutual friend, Calvin Barry. He's a former Crown attorney and a well-known high-profile criminal defense lawyer. Hello, Calvin. How are you? Hope you had a great weekend, uh, best that you could. Uh, I was at Muskoka, but I'm back in the office, and thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so let's uh, start off with what are the court proceedings um, looking like right now? How are they being conducted during this time of isolation? Well, the courts are all down till July 6th, and that's province-wide, and that would be everything from uh, murder uh, cases, judge and jury at the Superior Court in Toronto, example, 361 University, where people do jury, you know, duty and, and, and the like. And then all the other uh, court cases like your uh, run-of-the-mill DUIs, impaired over 80s refusals, domestics. But what we are doing is we are uh, meeting with uh, accused persons uh, in, at, at the office, but we're taking all the COVID precautions. And I have a big boardroom uh, down at Jarvis in front, and we distance ourselves. I got a buckets of sanitizer, and I provide masks and all that <laughs> a big bucket uh yeah we got all kinds that i was able to get from a couple of doctor friends of mine so you know because when you get charged with a criminal offense whether it's like something like criminal harassment or domestic assault you know it, 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 it's not like a lot of other things you can do during covid a lot of people want to see the product they want to see who's going to be representing them uh it's not you know inexpensive uh so they want to talk about money and payment plans because of the state of a lot of persons personal economies it's been really tough and everybody's just trying to make their navigate their way through this covid so i had i had to adjust a lot of things with payment plans and such but uh we're doing bail hearings which is probably odd to the public uh i can sit in my office the crown attorney is at home the judge is at home and the accused is at home if someone's trying you know uh, sorry the accused is at the police station and I wanted to go home, uh, he or she, and then we'll do a bail hearing basically on Zoom or by teleconference video. Uh, some jurisdictions, like in Thunder Bay and uh, places outside of Ottawa, don't have the kind of Zoom Facebook technology. We also have to be careful for uh, solicitor client privilege and for security because Zoom has had some uh, compromise. So we, we, we're doing bail hearings and, and people in jail all by uh, social media. So that's something that interesting. is interesting. Well, what and, about, like, the police officers that are right there, like, handling social distancing? How are they handling social distancing at this time? Like, what if they're, uh, they're in a case where, you know, they have to, um, 
use physical force against someone. Well, that's uh, it's exactly the same issue uh, that you know you would have um, in place in, in any time. Uh, I mean, the, the best perhaps analogy is hepatitis, you know, B and C, people that are HIV infected, and some of them have mental issues and they get violent, and you have to take all the precautions. And then COVID became this new animal that has a lot of unknowns. So the police still have to do their job. If you've been, you know, following the newspapers and social media, there have been arrests. Uh, since March for drug dealing, for trafficking in uh, underage uh, persons, uh, a lot of drunk driving impaired over 80, a lot of speeding, stunt driving, and dangerous driving under 407. I guess that's a fast and furious accused folks, almost all men, by the way, or young, young, younger ones, and a lot of domestic assaults. Uh, domestic assaults have really spiked worldwide in Canada, in Ontario, in Toronto, in the States, and, and elsewhere, because when you're isolated, uh, people start mm-hmm. to drink, they get bored, they get lonely, they get angry, they get frustrated, they have anxiety levels, some people uh, aren't able to get their medication for um, mental disorders, and that can be a tough cocktail. And then people have children, there's a lot of uh, arguments, and, and Joan could probably chime in, she's uh, got, got kids that are you know a bit older, but... You know, teenage kids want to be with their friends. You have to kind of set house rules that you weren't setting uh, when things were a little more uh, free willy. Uh, and I think Joan would, would, would be able to answer that being a, a mother. But I, I, I see that with my son who has low spectrum autism. He's 15 and we got to put uh, rules in place uh, that, that weren't in place yeah. prior to it's this. It's hard uh, for parents. I think if you're trying to homeschool, you're with your kids 24-7. I'm really fortunate because my kids are older and, it, you know, they really understand what's happening here and, and why we need to stay home. So they get it. And I don't have any pushback from them at all. But, you know, you can see the little kids, especially like the tiny little ones that just, you know, now they'd be going out outside and then experiencing things sometimes for the first time, like if they're two or three years old. Um, so, you know, people are sort of like missing things like occasions, like uh, graduation from high school and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of a lot of elements here, Calvin. I really agree with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's different times for sure. Uh, we need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to continue our conversation around domestic abuse. But first of all, I want to talk about the law regarding stalking in Canada. We'll be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. Tonight we're talking about domestic abuse, criminal harassment, including stalking and cyberbullying. Joining us, uh, Joan Kelly Walker and I tonight is Calvin Berry, former Crown Attorney and a well-known high-profile criminal defense lawyer. So let's get into stalking. Uh, Stalking is a form of criminal harassment and can be defined as harassing behavior, including repeatedly following, communicating with, or watching over one's dwelling home. Now, this sort of behavior is against the law. It's not a sign of love. It's a sign of, of power and abuse. Kelvin, can you explain that statement? It's not a sign of love. It's about power and abuse. Yes, well, criminal harassment became a criminal code offense back in, uh, I'll tell you exactly when it was, because I was a prosecutor, and I prosecuted one of the first ones. Really? At the same time as possessing a child porn came in, that was in 2000, and 
1994 it came in, so it's been around a while. It was initially intended for the aftermath of Bernardo because the authorities, police and Crown attorneys, took the view that if we would have had this offense that was an offense in many of the American states, uh, Bernardo may not have got away with it, so to speak, would have been arrested earlier for the heinous crimes that he, that he perpetrated. Then it became more broad-based for domestic assaults. And all you have to do is follow somebody, uh, send a, a whole bunch of emails or texts or Instagrams, and the person says, please stop, please stop, stop communicating with me, stop watching me, stop following me around. And, or if you engage in threatening conduct, like, you know, if you don't see me, I'm going to, uh, you know, come and, come, come, come and make your life miserable and I'll kill you, kill myself kind of stuff. So it's very serious, and it's usually the step before physical violence. And I've prosecuted hundreds and hundreds of these, and I've defended them too on both sides. So, Calvin, who is the person saying, please stop? Like, who, well, who do you say that to? Like, now, most, I'd say out of every 100 in Ontario, 94 out of 100 are men as the accused. Six are women. Uh, that's a pretty uh, interesting uh, statistic. It's that uh, the, the threatening words. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything. And who? Sorry, my my question was, who are they complaining to? Like, if I'm being stalked and I tell the person, please stop, and they don't stop, then where do I go next? Then you have to up up, uh, up the ante and you call the police. Some people hire a lawyer these days to go with you, as uh, because I, I, part of my practice is acting for victims and witnesses too. Then the police usually. If it hasn't gone to, uh, you know, amount of uh, threatening behavior on uh, social media and such, we'll caution the accused. Look, if you do this one more time, we're going to arrest you. The police will show up in their uniforms with their guns in a police car and everything and say this is serious business. Uh, sometimes they won't if they've been cautioned before or you have recordings, as an example, or texts that you save to show that he keeps up with it. He, he can't say no. You went out three months ago on one date, nothing happened, and he keeps on harassing you, that they will arrest the person, take him in front of a justice of the peace, or release him at the station. Most people are being released to the station now because of COVID, and that COVID has infected a number of the correctional facilities and the jails. But Calvin, should you be initially telling the person to stop and see if they go away, or can you go directly to the police and let them handle it from the beginning? Um, that's brilliant. You can do that. A lot of times, uh, if you go and rebuff uh, an accused person, they if they have mental, you know, disorders, uh, they might cause more harm immediately. Uh, you have to kind of factor in if you're in small jurisdictions where it takes a while. Like in Perry Sound, is different from Toronto for a 911 response. But if you feel that it's been uh, exasperated, and usually this happens when there's booze and uh, you know drugs and or both. And if you combine it with a pre-existing mental disorder, you have a pretty serious cocktail in your hands. And uh, as a complainant or a victim, they're primarily women, uh, you have to take some uh, you know, immediate action by calling the police and calling 911 on a case-by-case basis. And what kind of evidence do you need to have to say, okay, this is happening, and then the police will look at it? Because you can't just call in and say, oh, somebody's bugging me. Like You have to have something, right, to, to back it up. And that's why it's an interesting uh, crime because it's kind of an inocuate offense, and that means that it's something before hitting somebody or saying, I'm going to kill you. Now, the specific offense is if, it's a no-brainer if somebody says, I'm going to kill you, or if you don't come back with me, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to kill 
and myself, and we're going to go to heaven together, and that sort of thing. That, that that's an immediate call to 911, uh, and I don't, you know, I, I would think that's your best, the best safety route. Now, if it's just harassing, phone calls, hanging up, calling you from pay phones, Instagram, uh, you know, trying to erase it, you've got to save these things. You have to be kind of like a forensic accountant. You've got to save your emails, your texts. Uh, don't erase those phone calls. Don't delete them, but bring them to the police, and that will exasperate their investigation time because they'll say, wow, this isn't something where, you know, it's a jealous, uh, you know, complainant or accused, and they phone 911 each, and we showed up there. This is serious. This is very objective, and it's objective and subjective, and this person looks scared, and I'd be scared too. And then you use that corroboration, that independent evidence, that confirming evidence to, to get the person arrested, get them processed, and get bail conditions where they can't go near your house, they can't go near your place of worship, they can't go near your night school, they can't go near your job, or your new boyfriend, or your children, uh, and they have to be 500 meters away from your house, and they can't have firearms, and they can't take non-prescription pills, hmm. and they can't... So, Calvin, I'd be curious to see, how has this changed in the last, let's say, 20 years? Because, uh, as you know, I've had a ter- like a horrible experience, and I had all kinds of physical evidence, tapes, letters, uh, you know, like everything... And the hardest part for me was getting anybody to listen to me. Like, I just kept getting pushed off, saying, oh, well, you know, it's really nothing. Just tell the guy to go away. And nobody was paying attention. So, like, I'm sure there's still an element of that happening today. Are you finding that? Or is everybody taking it uh, more seriously, more immediately? There's been a lot of education. There's been a lot of progress. And there's been a lot of stats showing, uh, you know, women end up getting killed or, or grievous bodily harm. So... Uh, I find that it, it, it goes very quickly if you document everything. And this, in the social media age, it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to take a break, guys. Uh, when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're going to talk about the legal repercussions of stalking in Canada. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're tuned in to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta. Joining me tonight is Joan Kelly Walker, as well as Calvin Berry, former Crown Attorney and a well-known high-profile criminal defense lawyer right here in Toronto. We're talking about criminal harassment, including stalking, cyberbullying, knowing your rights, and later on in the show, we're going to touch on domestic abuse, which is on the rise here uh, during this pandemic. So before the break, Joan, you were talking to Calvin about, um, I think you, you had a stalker, what, 20 years ago or mm-hmm. something? you want to continue that conversation? Yeah, so this was, this was 20 years ago-ish, uh, which was a long time ago, and it was before the days of social media and everything. And uh, my question was, like, I had a lot of evidence. Like, this guy would send me photos and letters and track me down at the TV show I was working on and, and you know, show up and, and just, you know, bizarre. But I had a hard time getting anybody to listen to me. I was seeking help and nobody was listening. And I know that there are still people out there today that are being harassed or stalked or they're in an uncomfortable situation, even it might be within their own household, but they're uncomfortable to come forward with it. What specifically do they need to have in order to make sure that they're heard and that they're safe? Correct. And what you need uh, that I find is that you have to go to the police as soon as you feel 
a threat as soon as you feel uncomfortable. And you don't need, like, threats of bodily harm, threats of death. A lot of times it's ambiguous language, you know, people saying, uh, you know, I'll get you, uh, I'll kick your ass, uh, I hate you, I hope you die this time, and stuff like that would be enough to constitute the offense. Now, if you want to have some added, uh, you know, reasonable prospect of conviction, save this stuff. Save the, 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 the phone messages, save the texts, save the all the social media that you've received on Facebook before you had the person blocked, and then you go with that, and they have victim services now that they didn't have back then in the day when Joan experienced mm-hmm. uh, her uh, uh, accused and, and soon-to-be-convicted person back then. Uh, but, but you have to go and gather that. you got to go and see a police officer. Um, you, they'll probably do an audio-video statement after you make the first approach. They'll ask you to swear in a Bible called the KGB statement, and then you're good to go, and they'll go arrest the person and give all the protections that you need. So you're, bail, I don't think you get arrested experience. at first, though, right? Like the, yeah. When we're talking about the legal repercussions of stalking, they get a warning first, because I know something similar happened to me like last year. They get a warning first, and then if they do it again, then they get criminally charged. Is that right? But it's great that the authorities are really clamping down on this. They are. They right have, now. actually. If it's from the Me Too movement or whatever it's from, I think it's really, really important. We are taking it more serious. Yeah. The big thing is that these words are intended to be taken seriously and that what happens with threatening words, it's usually a precursor, and then next thing you know, you have a homicide. And there's been a lot of articles during COVID that there's been uh, kind of an inordinate amount of domestic homicides in Canada, Canada-wide, that uh, that have been precipitated by this Isolation by COVID, by the anxiety, by the stress. A lot of people are drinking a lot more and taking drugs because of the uncertainty of their future. I mean, I get the underlying medical and mental uh, disorders and the stressors, but it's, you know, what about the complainant that ends up getting seriously hurt if if, if the checks and balances aren't there to have the person uh, prosecuted and arrested uh, forthwith? Hmm. And you know what? I'm thinking, like, what is the difference now between, like, physical stalking where they know who you are, you've actually been in the same room with them, and cyber stalking where you don't know where they are and you don't know necessarily even who they are. Like, what is the difference there? Well, cyber stalking is a big, big challenge because all the benefits that came with social media when it came to be with, you know, Facebook and uh, emails and such, there's so many benefits to it, but there's some dangers in that there's always going to be uh, organized crime and a criminal element taking advantage of the anonymity of the fact that they can't find out who they are. You might be cyber-stalked by somebody in, uh, you know, Africa or in uh, Europe, and you can't uh, pin down the identity. And these are the big fraud scams where these guys, uh, you know, pose as, uh, you know, good-looking businessmen. But what about cyberbullying? when it comes to someone is intending to harm your reputation or embarrass you. For example, they're spreading rumors or, sh- or sharing intimate photos of you. Um, because well, this is a form of defamation, right, itself. Calvin? It's funny you bring that up because that's a relatively new criminal offense. It only went into the criminal code about uh, 12 years ago, and it's called uh, you know, voyeurism, voyeuristic pictures, um, uh, disseminating computer information without the consent of intimate, uh, you know, uh, depictions, and they take that very serious, too. See, the police, they have some serious uh, IT uh, police officers that are really, you know, professional graduates of IT schools from U of T and the like, 
and and when I was a crown, we used to go to these people when it got put in place and hasn't been in place for that long, maybe 15 years, uh, and, and they go and get IP numbers and they find out where the epicenter is. It's like child pornography. You'd be surprised the intelligence, the IT level they have to get at these accused, bring them to court, arrest them, search warrants, uh, and the like, and, and, and that covers the same kind of fulcrum as criminal harassment in the dating scene. So, Calvin, is it a crime then to publish something that is likely to injure a person's reputation by exposing them to hatred? Yes, that is, but that's, uh, again, you get a little bit of uh, freedom of expression uh, kind of comp- uh, competing features. I can tell you if you take a picture on your phone, you know, that your your, your uh, girlfriend uh, consented to, and then you send it behind her back to some guy to yuck it up and think it's funny, uh, and the police find out about it and the complainant wants to go ahead, they'll be criminally charged. That person will be okay. fingerprinted and so photographed. It's not a civil matter. It's a criminal matter. That's important. Right. It's a criminal matter, and they'll have to get a criminal lawyer, and that costs 10, 15, 20 grand, and there'll be a bunch of conditions that they can't even have their phone or computer. And that's been taken very seriously because people have ended up committing suicide because they go and, you know, cyberbully and put that on the internet. And that ties right back into what we're talking about criminal harassment. It's another form of harassment although the evidentiary uh, level to get it before the courts is a little bit uh, harder than, you know, somebody overtly saying, you know, uh, just calling you all the time and showing up at your work and looking through your window. Um, And that criminal harassment is a big umbrella offense that makes that criminal. And you can get a criminal record, you get convicted, you can't go to the States, you can't get a job, because prospective employers don't want somebody that's exhibiting that, 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 that very serious, harmful behavior. We're We're continuing our conversation after the break on uh, cyberbullying here in Canada, as well as stalking and domestic abuse. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're covering criminal harassment, including stalking, cyberbullying, domestic abuse. Calvin Berry, former Crown attorney and a high-profile criminal defense lawyer, is in studio with us. And Joan Kelly-Walker is here, too. Hi, Joan. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Oh, we got, uh, we're talking about so much stuff right now that uh, people are so interested in hearing, I'm sure. Calvin, you're amazing. Um, let's continue our conversation around cyberbullying. And so what are the legal repercussions of cyberbullying in Canada? What are the laws uh, governing that in Canada? Well, there's mischief to the enjoyment of one person's property under the criminal code. That's kind of almost like a social type of vandalism to your, you know, well-being and you're not consenting to it. There's a harassing uh, computer uh, interactions and email offenses that uh, talk about, you know, using a computer in a criminal way. It's kind of like you're, you know, it's up there with criminal uh, interruption of, of, of your, your peace. Um, and there's also criminal harassment that covers that, harassing telecommunications, which are uh, indictable offenses if, if elected by the Crown to go that way, which means a felony and not a misdemeanor, like a summary conviction offense in Canada, to use a U.S. TV analogy. And they take it quite serious, but the problem is with some types of cyberbullying, you can't prove who the recipient is. If you can, well, what example, if you can? 
can. What if you can? themselves, or you know it can't be anybody else. Like it's. What if you can? Yeah, what if you are the recipient? Proof in terms of getting them prosecuted and getting conditions of, of okay. bail that they cannot have contact with. Okay, you. but what if you know who did it? You have the proof. You want to take legal action against them. Couple questions: Can you sue them civilly for compensation and for your legal fees? Because, it, it, like, can you do that? Um, because you, you wouldn't be in your current situation if it wasn't yes, you for can, them. But it's probably better to do that after the criminal charges have come to finality. In other okay. words, you don't want a defense lawyer like myself to accuse you of a motive to fabricate that you're only doing this because it's a money grab and you're using somebody who has unrequited love or who, you know, you did some bad things to also and maybe we'll find some texts that you sent. So you want to wait till the criminal charges, if the person's convicted, even if the person's not convicted because they get off in the technicality, think of O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson got acquitted. Everybody knew he did it. And then they, he got uh, nailed civilly for about $30 million because the test is much lower. It's not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Like in the criminal context, it's a balance of probabilities, which is much uh, lower. And then there's a pressure release valve in the criminal justice system, Laura, which is where an complainant, usually a woman, says, look, I don't want my ex-boyfriend, I don't want my ex-husband, I don't want, want this, this guy I'm dating to have a criminal conviction. I don't want him to go to jail. I don't want him to get, you know, uh, such that he, he can't go to the States because he, he, he has his issues and I know he's in love with me, but, he, you know, he just came on too strong. I was uncomfortable and I don't love him back. I'd like to see a peace bond. I'd like to see a Section 810 peace bond on the criminal code, which is a proceeding where uh, nobody gets a conviction, but it is a proceeding where the accused has to come to court and get a defense lawyer and say, I promise not to see this person, bother this person, phone this person, email this person, Instagram this person, go by uh, you know, their house or the place to work for a period of one year. And you can get a common law peace, peace bond for five years. So that's a lot of protection for somebody who you know, it's being reasonable. I just don't want him to come by. He's getting my kids upset. He's, he's driving by my house and my neighbors are getting upset. And a lot of this uh, happens with, uh, you know, a, a guy who just doesn't get it and, and probably is harmless in a lot of situations, but we just don't know. So you want to have some criminal teeth that prevents him from stalking you again, which will lead to a criminal offense. He'll get thrown in jail. There'll be a bail hearing and he'll be in a lot of... Uh, S-H-I-T if he does it again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's something that is kind of a halfway house between full bore criminal prosecution. Some people don't want to testify. Some people of that, that, that are high, uh, you know, profile people, they don't want to air their own private business. Some people are very private, no matter what their station of life is in the, in the public realm. They don't want to be cross-examined by a defense lawyer for three days about this and that, which seems to be more of a character assassination on the complainant. You know, you saw the uh, Me Too movement. You saw the experience that a lot of people, complainants who were assaulted, who were the subject of uh, uh, criminality, are not really getting justice because they end up being the accused. So the halfway house is that the defense lawyer can go to the stalker and go, look, you're not going to get a criminal record. It won't cost you 20 grand. It'll cost you five grand. Just say you won't go see her. Don't just say you won't go near her house. You don't even live there anyway. She lives in Burlington. You live in Etobicoke. And just do that, and then there won't be any criminal charges. Or 
that is, uh, the, the criminal charges are laid, the accused knows he's in a lot of trouble if he gets convicted or she gets convicted, and in lieu of that, the complainant might say, look, I don't want to have a trial. If he signs this peace bond for anywhere from one year to five years, I'm happy because there's teeth to it. It's a criminal code offense. So then there's a peace bond rather than a restraining order. Well, they're about the same. I mean, restraining order is more in the family law context. You can get one in family court, too, and that is a more civil. It's like situations where the guy keeps on showing up to see his kids, and there's a separation agreement that says it's only Wednesday and Saturdays. And he goes, well, I was in the area, and I'm paying support, and I want to see the kid now. That is more of a civil, has less teeth in it, uh, in my view, uh, after doing this for over 30 years as a Crown in defense. The one you want is a criminal code one. There's two criminal code ones, one at common law called a common law peace bond that you can get from one month up to five years. And the other one's a Section 810, which you can get up for a year. Breaches of either will lead to criminal prosecution, bail court likely, uh, and a very serious business because now you've... Uh, now, 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 now you're contemptuous in the face of a court order, and judges take that real serious because it controls their process in the province. And it's probably mostly effective. Like most people are going to think, okay, I got my knuckles wrapped. I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed. They probably tend to follow the rules, right? Right, and some have mental issues, and one of the conditions of the peace bond might be that you, if if the probation officer considers it required, that you go and seek, uh, you know, medical uh, counseling for, for why you just can't, you know, take an answer no because of your anxiety or your bipolar, your under, underlying med- medical condition, your psychiatric condition, your DSM. When we come back, we're going to cover domestic abuse right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are covering several different topics around domestic abuse, criminal harassment, including stalking and cyberbullying. Uh, Calvin Berry, former Crown Attorney and high-profile criminal defense lawyer, is in studio with Joan Kelly Walker and I. And before the break, we were uh, talking about stalking. What else were we talking about? We were talking about cyberbullying. I want to continue the conversation right now on stalking, just to, to um, give our listeners an idea of the different types of stalking or different extremes with stalking. So let's start with there's the rejected suitor, right? So there's the person who pursues their victim, maybe to reverse a divorce or separation or a termination. Calvin, do you want to say anything about that type of stalker? Well, you know, sometimes you have ones that you could have went on a date uh, one or two times. Um, The other one that you get, which can cause problems if you, and, you know, if everybody's consenting, it's obviously not an issue when you have consensual sex with somebody, like what they call a proverbial one-night stand. And uh, the expectations of the accused is that, oh, well, we're getting married next week or whatever. Yeah. That's the intimacy seeker, I believe. That's the uh, accused feels justified with his harassment or her harassment by saying, well, you just, you know, basically did the most serious intimate uh, act, you know, sexual intercourse, and uh, therefore, uh, you know, you got to have a relationship with me. And those ones can get scary because, you know, even though the complainant has done nothing wrong, 
sometimes the underlying psychology is you feel somewhat compromised because, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You've heard that. Well, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, you know, break his or her heart. Then you have ones of some permanence. You might be living together and one ends up loving more than the other. It's an unbalance in, in the intimacy. We might have children together. It becomes a one that got the short end of the stick in his or her view. And that one could be a serious one to undone because they feel that they have a license to bend the law and break the law, arguably, these accused people by going, wow, look, that was basically my uh, wife. We weren't married, but we're together, and I bought her this, and I bought her that. And they have some entitlement, which is obviously dirty thinking and incorrect, but that can cause a whole host of problems, too. I find the police are much reluctant, more reluctant to lay a charge when there has been some permanence because they kind of go, well, this is kind of civil matter. Maybe you should talk to a family lawyer. Others, though, say, well, this is serious because of the reasons I just dealt you about the sub-psychology of some ownership mm -hmm. that gives you some extra you know, liberal uh, license to, to harass somebody. And always the argument will be, well, I didn't say I was going to kill her or him. I didn't say that I was going to, you know, uh, stab or shoot, and so why are we here? Well, that's a separate offense that's more serious called utter... There are, there, there are some stalkers where their motive is just to frighten and distress their victim. And yeah, not necessarily plan an attack on them. You know, those guys that when that's why you always have to joke about don't set somebody up, because if it, it comes to a point where the accused becomes unreasonable and there's an objective fear in, in, a, in a reasonable complainant, if I can put it that way, uh, then you're the one that takes the critique by going, don't ever set me up with a guy like that again. But a lot of times people act a lot differently, as we all know, uh, when you're alone behind closed doors on a date, when there's been some, you're into the wine and stuff, then you will if you're in a public forum. And that's a dangerous type because they can put on quite a show if the police talk to the victim. You know what? Now that we're you. talking about dating right now, Calvin, let's touch on it quickly. Consent. What does that look like now? A days after mm -hmm. nowadays after Me Too. I think consent has gone uh, a long, long way. That uh, that that you really have to be sure. You have to be uh, very objective. You can't just say I thought it was okay. You have to say what a reasonable person would see in the context. And if you add alcohol or drugs to the equation, you've got to be even all the more uh, careful. And that's why a lot of people refrain from getting too sexually intimate, the ones that I think are the objective thinkers, until there's some, uh, you know, contact of, of some permanent, some relationship. And then, then you understand the other person in terms of with their boundaries and with their, uh, the, the intimation of what constitutes consent. So should, you, should you be asking someone if you... If, if, for consent, if you just want to, like, touch them, let's just say you want to, like, you're a man, you want to fondle the lady's breast, you have to ask her? Yeah, oh, 100%. I think that, that uh, you know, a lot of times you can argue that it has to do with uh, behavior and it sounded like, you know, she or he were was happy. But I think you got to go further and uh, you have to take away some of this antiquated chivalry to uh, making sure that the person is happy in their skin and in, in your kind of communal skin, that you guys are both at the same level of consent. Yeah, it comes and down to communication, like verbal or otherwise. Sure. Uh, we've come a long way because, you know, you, you can't just go and just like, just like, you know, drinking and driving, you can't say I was drunk so I didn't know I was driving a car. It's the same type of self-induced intoxication by drug or alcohol isn't, isn't a defense. If it, if it ever was, it's sure been brought to the forefront that, 
you have to take a lot of reasonable steps to ensure that your partner or your date uh, is, is, is consenting in, in all ways. Mm-hmm. So, so, Calvin, I have to ask, what about all these things that are rising to the surface right now where 20 years ago something happened and the woman generally just kind of doesn't say anything and then all of a sudden that person is in the public eye or something and then they come forward? Like, what, what about that? Well, there's no limitation period to, you know, if there's a rape 20 years ago and uh, I got one right now where the accused is 77 the woman is 74. She wow. came forward about three years ago when she was like 70, and it's in Ontario, and the and the case is going. Uh, and How the long ago was the the and, incident? And there's going to be there's no limitation period to uh, to sexual uh, assault. Now proving it, that might be something different because the jury's going to go, "What took you so long?" Even though there's a lot of very objective, uh, reasonable uh, reasons on why the person didn't come forward initially. But it doesn't belittle their case. Well, it shouldn't. But in in, in factual scenario, with you know a collective uh, reasoning of a judge or a judge and jury, it seems to. Uh, versus if you call nine one one, you know the day after it happens or when it happens, you go get a sexual assault kit. You know, just by common sense, you'd think that there's a more likely chance of a conviction by the adjudicator, right? Okay, guys, we need to take a break. Sorry. We'll continue this conversation. We're also going to touch on domestic abuse and what uh, what you can do if you're living in a household with uh, someone who's abusing you or someone in your household is being abused. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are discussing a very important topic, domestic abuse. Domestic abuse has reportedly risen worldwide since lockdown. Movement restrictions are making violence in homes more frequent and severe. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. I'm your host. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Joan Kelly Walker is joining me in studio, as well as Calvin Berry, criminal uh, defense lawyer uh, in Toronto. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Okay, so... We have one more segment left, really important to talk about domestic abuse. So what constitutes as domestic abuse? Well, any type of uh, threat, uh, directly or direct, um, any type of physical assault. So verbal, verbal. hair pulling, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to break your leg, uh, anything uh, like that would be uh, a criminal offense. How about name calling? It might be if it's it, you know if it's done by social media or continuous harassing phone calls that could get you into a separate distinct offense okay. of criminal harassment, which is short of most of the time of an assault or an utter threat, or it's in combination with those criminal offenses. So, Calvin, I know that we're going to run out of time here and there's so much to talk about. Uh, what do you say to someone who's listening right now who's afraid? Of their situation, they're uncomfortable, but they they don't they're afraid to report their abuse. I think you have to get somebody you trust, like your girlfriend or your sister or your mother or a brother. Uh, sometimes it's an ex boyfriend you still kept a strong ties with, and then have that person. You have to make sure that you don't let the person know who is the accused, uh, so you can get a call in nine one one. 
uh, secretly escape, try to go to a friend's place, and, you know, even if you have to lie to get out of the, the house and say, I'm going to grab something and, and get yourself out of that situation. It's more complicated when you have children, obviously, because the best interest of the children. Call 911. There's some great facilities that are ongoing at full budget right now, victim witness contacts, and the police will... Uh, Make all that uh, make make that. Yeah, people uh, are afraid to put anything into their phone because they don't want uh, you know, who's ever abusing them to actually read what the what the content of their phone is. Hmm. That's a brilliant. You don't want to call nine one one. Sometimes you have to kind of you just have to extricate yourself and and you know only the complainant usually knows the propensities of these cues and sometimes not, which is even more dangerous. But you you get to the police and the police are in tune with this, especially now post-COVID, and they will take care of you, from my experience as a Crown Attorney and Defense Lawyer, and they will get you the right care, help, and security and safety and get you to a third-party location. There's all kinds of shelters. There's all kinds of uh, educational lifelines that can give you the assistance for you or you and your children to get out of that uh, you know, criminal uh, abuse of a relationship that, that, you know, can't persist, especially if there's going to be some imminent harm to the children or yourself or both. Yeah, I was, and what I've, are been at, I've been visiting a couple of shelters, um, just, you know, delivering food and stuff like that. And it's amazing the way that people are there literally with their kids and their clothes off their back and they just, they just leave. They just find that little window of opportunity and, and make it happen. And it, well, it's wouldn't so it be easier to have the, the, the person who's doing the abusing, uh, abusing taken out of the home rather than the family having to leave? Well, that's what usually happens. And I, I'm just talking about the short fix. So say that, you know, the, the accused is drinking and is doing drugs and getting into you know, very violent as the days uh, progress under COVID and the isolation, loss of job, you know, and, and, and so you, you just get out of there for a few hours and your next step is going to be the police coming to arrest the person, taking them out of the home. Doesn't matter if you own the home or not. Doesn't matter if you're leasing. Doesn't matter if you have no contribution to the home and it's all in the other person's name. Uh, that person that is, uh, there's reasonable probable grounds by the police is being assaultive, being abusive, is being violent, is being threatening. We'll remove that person and there'll be serious conditions put in place by a judge uh, at a bail hearing that we're doing right now, even though the courts are done down, it's all done by social media. And if, they, if he or she goes back, there's serious, serious breaches of bail that will put you in real jail uh, COVID or not. What are the legal repercussions for domestic abuse to varying degrees? Well, you can either be released uh, on bail with, with conditions not to go back to where the victim is or where the victim works. You can be kept in jail, which is unlikely, especially during uh, COVID because of the uh, COVID outbreaks in the You're not jails. supposed to tell people that, uh, you're released. <laughs> Don't tell them that. You have to go to court and you'll likely be convicted or found guilty of a criminal offense of violence. Which will really up to, cause what is it up to ten years, fifteen years? What's the punishment for that, Kelvin? Uh, you can go to jail, you get probation, probation in jail, you can get fines, you have to do a bunch of anger management, usually it's coupled with uh, alcohol and drug management, uh, counseling and all those things are uh, helpful to make sure this accused doesn't reoffend and hurt anyone else, including the particular complainant and his or her children. Okay, Kelvin, what about children? If they're living in a household and there's abuse going on, um, I, I know it's different for different ages of kids, but what can a kid do to protect themselves? Well, there's a children's helpline, which is excellent, and I've uh, 
warranted that both as a crown and defense. Uh, you have to get a hold of a CAS uh, if you can't get a hold of police, but they should just dial 911 and everything else will come into play. These are heavily trained professionals and 911 first responder dispatchers. They'll send a police officer there, and it usually is within 5, 10, 15 minutes anywhere in Toronto, from my experience uh, of doing this for over 30 years, as both the Crown and a Defence Council. And from there, you will have all the protections afforded by law. Thank you, Joan, and thank you, Calvin, for joining us tonight. Hopefully, we were able to shed some light on this important topic of domestic abuse and criminal harassment. If you're being abused or harassed, we hope that you don't live in silence and that you get the help that you deserve. Calvin, where can people get a hold of you if they have questions or want to use your services? The website would be the best, www.calvinberry.ca. Laura? Thank you. And Joan? Uh, JoanKellyWalker.com. And for me, uh, you can go to singleinthecity.ca. Follow me on Instagram, official Laura Bellotta. Single in the City has just launched a virtual dating events. Uh, if you're single and alone, you can still find companionship during this pandemic. Meet up to 15 professional singles at a virtual speed dating event. Just go to singleinthecity.ca. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in each and every week. Ciao for now. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.